wandered over the treacherous trek. He was an interesting man, but he was no longer whole. Lost a hand some years back during a brouhaha on what is now called Alkinstar, or so the story he told me went. He was crossing Arcadia to make his way to Tianjia. He sought to make himself whole again. There is a place, he told me, near the Zhaidou Gulf, the sea between Mingkai and continental Tianjia, somewhere in the splattering of islets. He was convinced lay the domain of a giant turtle, a being of legend, and a legend that was passed to him by a woman who had spoken with the turtle. She told my friend that the turtle had saved her father's leg when he nearly lost it after an equestrian incident. The being healed her father's leg when magic could not. So my industrious friend made his way to see this being of law and ask it to replace his hand. Even if the legends were only partially true about the power of these spirit turtles, he knew that if he could make contact with one, it might be able to help him. So off he went. Years later, perhaps even decades had passed, I came upon my friend again. He was wealthy beyond his wildest dreams. Turns out on his way to the Zhaidao Gulf, he caught something. A fever he could not shake. He found himself destitute, alone, and dying in an alley in Hiosai, on the edge of the Okayo Ocean. It is in this city of samurai and ninja where he met Jasu, a man who took him in, nursed him back to health, and gave him a job as a trader. Jasu, you see, was very well off in the spice trade. Eventually the two men bonded and fell deeply in love and married. And when I met my friend again, it was... It was in a bar in Absalom, at the base of the beast. He was wealthy and happy and showered me with tales of his life. I was so glad to see him so jubilant. Humans have such short lives, you see, so I always find myself pleased when they fill them with joy. So, what happened? Did he ever meet the spirit turtle? Hmm. You know, I never bothered to ask. 
But on that final meeting, he was in possession of both of his hands. Hey there, creatures, and welcome to Encounter This, a podcast exploration of the creatures from Pathfinder 2nd Edition and the lore that surrounds them. Holy mackerel! Here we are for episode 101 of Encounter This. We made it. Uh, <laughs> we made it. This is going to be silly because uh, my my dear, dear friend and co-host here, as you know him, of course, uh, James Reiki Kid. Uh, will uh, has possibly bitten off more than he could chew, or maybe he strategized very particularly, but he's going to take me through a rather high-level creature for our first official round on Pathfinder 2nd Edition. I, of course, am Freeman the Eldest. Iceton, that's technically <laughs> true. Uh, <laughs> we will be covering the Spirit Turtle uh, in our in, 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 inaugural, not, not really inaugural, sort of resetting, sort of, I don't know what to call it, episode uh of encounter this 101 i'm excited i don't know about you but uh this spirit turtle uh actually comes from can be found of course on archives of nethis but this creature is coming from spoiler alert an adventure path uh james tell us more yeah so this is coming from book three king of the mountain from fist of the ruby phoenix on page 86 for those of you who want to follow along uh excuse me for everybody else links to archives of nethis will be down in the description as well as on our blog and our website. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a big one. So my thought process here was I, I don't really know 2E. I've run less than a handful of games. So when we decided we were going to make the pivot, I decided to go at the most intense creature I could find right off the bat. And that was a huge mistake because when I wrote the stat block before we started uh, even recording episode 100, and I haven't really looked at it since. So let's hope I can just infer from context clues what I meant. And let's let's be fair here. Let's be fair. I mean, for clarity for listeners, book three of Fist of the Ruby Phoenix is a level like like 18 to 20 sort of part of the adventure. It's very high level. And um, and you say this is one of the most intense creatures you could find. This is not even close, dude. (laughs) I meant like, uh, yeah, I've only done it. I only did a cursory glance at the stat block. I I'm kind of I am pretty much going in blind here. But it's not that it's not that complicated compared to some. Some of them are crazy. Okay. Uh, but um, I mean, just in in terms of detail, I should say, uh, there's so many more options on on some creatures that are lower level than this thing. Um, but yeah, uh, I can't can't wait to fumble through this. It's our start to two E. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's uh, we're, we're we're going back to Eastern culture, so you can look forward to some of my budget pronunciations. So oh, the most budget. <laughs> the most budget. <laughs> if you ever need a car rental, come to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh let's start with an image. They uh they look something like this. Uh there's I a reason this image it. is so small and I couldn't really get it any bigger, but uh it should be on YouTube and you should be on full screen anyway, so it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, uh, for those yeah. of you audio listeners, it looks like a giant turtle. The caveat is that it has an entire ecosystem on their shells. Uh, yeah. Pretty much describes it. It's really cool. Yeah, it's the 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 actual... I mean, I, I'm kind of curious about the actual size, the, you know, actual dimensions of this creature. Because it, it's got an ecosystem on its back. It's kind of cool. But you can see some, like, what, are they cranes? Um, or herons on its back? Uh, and, yeah, probably an ibis or something, but yeah. Yeah, and they look, they look fairly sizable compared to this thing. I was expecting it to be much more gargantuan compared to, say, the size of, of a larger bird like that. Um, so to me, it makes it look like the, the, the spirit turtle is smaller than I was expecting. Yeah, it is um, It is smaller than I was expecting, too, because I was okay. expecting something like the, the dragon turtle from Avatar The Last Airbender, where it's right, just this yeah. massive being. <laughs> yeah. And it it's very similar, but it, it is not the same. And okay. I didn't touch on that specifically because there is a dragon turtle in Pathfinder. So Oh, okay. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, please do go on. I, I love the art, though, by the way, at the end of the day. I think it's really, it's just yeah. like, it's almost comfortable, uh, which maybe is a weird word for it. But it makes me feel comfortable. No, it, it, it really is. Um, it's yeah. it's kind of derpy in like a really joyful way. Like it's it's got real yeah. Kung Fu Panda vibes in all the best ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's got real kind <laughs> eyes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is a fake creature. Um, and they are known to be very benevolent and help people who are in need, specifically usually with healing, but sometimes they'll give other powerful gifts. And there's not really an analog in 1E, so I couldn't do any like really deep dive. There is, again, the dragon turtle from 1E, but not the same creature. So, Okay, all right. Uh, the lore around the spirit turtle is very minimal, so I kind of fleshed it out with some other uh, regional lore because this is our first dive into Tui, and there's some stuff we haven't covered, and I don't know if we'll ever cover. So, okay. Um, in ancient times, it was said they used their power to grant mortals wishes, but after millennia, they grew tired and went into hiding. So people just wanted too much from them, so they were just like, "Fuck okay. this! We're, we we need a nap. We're gonna fuck off." Right. I wonder if like wish granting uh, was literally like physically cumbersome or if they were just like, oh, they're so needy and they give nothing back. I'm done. <laughs> you know, uh, well, so it, it's the second one. Um, and we'll get okay. into that in a second here. Uh, so those who didn't uh, go into hiding return to their home plane, which is a place called the first world, which we'll touch on in, in, in the future here. Mm-hmm. And the few that remain now only grant their gifts to the purest and worthiest mortals. So it's at the very end of each 2E stat block, at least on Archives of Nethys, there's a little little more lore. I don't understand why it's there. It's absolutely not the right place for it, but it, it is there. Okay. Uh, the Spirit Turtle, this one is called Spiritual Task. So... They grant extended life as a gift for completing a task, and the requirements vary from turtle to turtle, but they're always particularly massive. And mm-hmm. uh, Archives of Nethys presents this example called Artemos the Tailor. Okay. Artemos met with a spirit turtle and earned their favor by sewing a quilt as massive as the lake in which the turtle slept. The quilt required cloth from all the robes of each ruler in Tianjia, but Artemos' <laughs> efforts eventually earned him a golden needle to aid him on his journeys. (laughs) 
See, I love these little things. You say like it doesn't seem like it fits. It's in the words, where wrong spot. No, no, well, I just are... think it's in the wrong space. Like it shouldn't okay. be below the stat block. I think it should be above oh. the stats. So th- there's a reason for that. It's a formatting thing. If we get through that, so you might remember when we co- I covered this a little bit in uh, when we covered golems, and I was doing two e interjections. These little right. sidebars, they're sidebars in the books. They're not parts of the lore. They're little optional, ap- uh, applicable things to the creature. So the way they're formatted in the books dictates how Archives of Nessus formats them on the page. Oh, yeah. I, I totally get yeah. that. It's just yeah. wrong. It's in, in, <laughs> like if you're going to put in lore, put it in with the lore. Don't put it after the lore and then after the stat block. Like that formatting on the website makes no sense. I, it's fine to break it out because it is broken yeah. out. But keep, I, I am I the, kind of with you. It doesn't make yeah. sense that it's below the stat block. They, they could just easily set it aside, but put it just underneath the lore in its own little like its own little sidebar, yep. you know, like but easily just, for whatever reason it's at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's a reason somewhere for it behind the scenes, but we don't like it here to encounter this. So <laughs> it's probably the <laughs> way it's automatic. Damn you and your really easily accessible free content. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm sure it's just the way it's automated. Like there's no way somebody's manually typing all this stuff in. So it's it's just right. it's pulled from something directly, and that's just the way it pulls. But the way, the way it do yeah yeah but that's it that's for still, the I, I love that little sidebar though it is nice it's a nice little addition um the uh it's cool to like come up with like some ridiculous oh what makes you curious about that little example even is what what does that golden needle do to aid him exactly. yeah so you know i hunted for that that item oh, yeah? in both one and two e and uh, and like nothing. It doesn't exist. There's oh. no there's no golden needle. <laughs> oh, damn, you said so I up. thought it <laughs> might be a specific magical item, yeah. or I thought it might just be like right. a regular. Like mm-hmm. maybe it's Artemos's golden needle, or maybe it's just mm-hmm. a golden needle right. and it, you know plus one to crafting or whatever. Nope, not a single thing. Sounds like it's sounds like it's ripe for some homebrew. You bet. <laughs> but that's it. That's that's the dragon turtle. <laughs> Cool. Uh, so, fun times. <laughs> yeah. So I figured we'd talk a little so, bit about the first world because I found this concept really interesting. Yeah, I did a little little bit, again, cursory research on the first world too because uh, I, I am a little bit, I'm often a little bit confused about the, the you know, the first world or in, in D&D was the Feywild. Um, yeah. And I think the way it's set up in Pathfinder and the, that sort of universal Galarian is pretty neat. So. Yeah. So it was a, it. It was a draft of the material plane. It was the first draft of the material plane. It was crafted by gods to test their crafting abilities and color palettes before creating their final version. So pretty much a dry run, except this particular one had um, living beings. Mm-hmm. The The difference is the, fl- for the laws of nature in the first world fluctuate constantly to mimic the mercurial nature of its denizens, which are fake creatures. So f- all fake creatures originate um, in the first world. Okay, and because those laws of nature um, are do ebb and flow, that means distance and time are inconsistent. So, mortal travelers could spend an hour and travel at a hundred kilometers, only to find that they've moved a meter and a hundred years have passed on the material plane. Right, or what have you? So, <laughs> like, that's just uh, the most extreme example I could think of, but it absolutely mm-hmm. has everything in between. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the plane's proximity to the positive energy plane, it is uh, it ensures that this particular plane is teeming with life. So that's where the Fey come from. And mm. 
a lot of it is strange and unusual life. Mm-hmm. And then after the gods abandon it to create the mortal plane, these uh, divine beings known as the eldest uh, came down and essentially took over because they have godlike powers or they, they have deific powers, though they're not technically gods in the way that uh, Galarian constrains gods. They've yeah, I've, I've always themselves. noticed. Yeah, I've always noticed they're like they're referred to as divine entities. It's like usually the phrasing that I've, that I've come across. Um, and I, I believe they're they're not quite a pantheon. I, maybe you can worship them as a pantheon. You can. I mean, yeah, and probably. I, yeah. I actually dive into them in a in a little bit. Um, okay. As well, just because I, oh, I really cool. wanted to cool. flush this episode out, and They're I thought that was a really too, interesting idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other big thing about the the first world is that it stands outside the cycle of souls, um, which is known by the Fae as the mm-hmm. Great Abandonment. So there's no real con- thing as true death in the first world. Yeah. Um, though the eldest worshippers' souls reincarnate there as Faye. So if you were to worship the eldest really well on the material plane, when you died, your soul would be reincarnated in the first world as a Faye being. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, which is really cool. And I believe like death for something in the Faye or the first world, um, it just reincarnates. It just has its own independent cycle outside of the other yep. planes. And what I thought was, I think it's really cool about the, because it has a proximity to, to the positive energy plane, and that's why it's teeming with life. There's like this bleed of the energy from that plane, right? And um, that's where all, as far as you know, that's where all souls come from, is that the energy plane just like spontaneously produces them and then they are taken care of and then they are put into the material plane. But there's this bleed off that's happening at the same time into the into the first world, uh, which is really, it's pretty neat, I think. And I, I think I remember reading, and maybe, maybe you're going to cover it, sorry, but uh, that like, you're right, it's like there's no there's no true death in the the in, in for beings from the first world unless they leave the first world such as gnomes yeah that's literally almost verbatim my next point <laughs> nailed it <laughs> yeah true death returns if they leave the if if the Who's natives they leave the who? who like who? the gnomes did. Yeah. <laughs> and and there are these um these natural gates in wild places that connect it directly to the material plane which fey often mm-hmm. use to fulfill their desires be it whatever they have cool. they can just pop over to the material plane do some shit and pop back it's like shopping in wow. the city crazy but like they're not still subject to that like insane you know time uh uh chaos <laughs> erraticness you know like pop in pop out like, probably it's a, it's but a, must be since risk, there's no right? such thing as true death except when you're outside of the fey what is mm-hmm. what is time if if right you know the only reason why i think we as a species measure time is because we have a finite amount of it um, right if we didn't have a finite amount of it there'd be no reason to measure it so if a fae popped yeah. over for a couple of weeks and didn't die and was managed to pop back and it happened to be 40 centuries would that really be doesn't, a big doesn't deal matter yeah but i guess the opposite the opposite direction it is a big deal right anyone from the material plane that's yeah. popping in and popping out that's that's the danger yeah okay yeah that makes sense. that is a huge danger if i'm not 100 percent sure because i don't know my gnomes inside and out but i think the first world is like a taboo in gnome culture because of that concept because of popping in and out could be um oh really be very difficult i i'm very okay. prepared to be corrected on that but I, that mm-hmm. stands out as something that i had read in the past 
fair enough yeah I, it makes me wonder if like if did gnomes really did like the entirety of gnomes leave on mass or is it just like the vast majority and sh surely there's some gnomes that still live there I, I would think but yeah just uh i know that it's all tied into the bleaching and all that stuff it's really really interesting kind of like concept for for like a player character and ancestry and stuff uh, i love that stuff oh, we'll get into it one day <laughs> sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but let's just do a little primer on the eldest they are a group of highly powerful beings that stepped in to fill the deific void when the gods forsook the first world like we touched on they mm -hmm. do hold deific power over the world but they don't uh, have the same ambitions as other pantheons. Okay. So they're not really interested in their worshippers at all. They're really only concerned with their own personal agenda. And they will uh, distribute power to avatars, but that's really just for their own amusement. Like, it's it's very... Okay. It, it really strikes me as something, like, that the Fae would do. Like, eh, you know, I'm bored. Let's give this, this you know, right. being a little bit of power to see what happens. Yeah. Okay. There are a few worshippers of the Eldest on Galarian, though most of them are fae and, uh, and gnomes. And mm -hmm. they usually are solo in their practice, but reside near the gates. So this, I think, is an awesome character hook. Like, yeah. like to be a gnome who's a worshipper of the Eldest, like, like a hermit worshipper of the Eldest. And then your character would know no fear. Like, because you're, well, that, when you die, you'll just be yeah. reincarnated in the first world. Right. And like, what a cool, like, you know, sometimes you, it's, it's a bit cheesy to seek a way to like bring a character that might have died back. But this is what I think this adds a little flavor to that. That's really cool. It's like you have this eldest work worshiping gnome. I was in the same spot as yeah. you as soon as you started. And they die and they get reincarnated into the first world. And like, somehow they make it back. And even if it's not the same adventure, like, they're reincarnated and it, it takes a blip in the in the first world but 20 years later in your next massive right. adventure the same character comes back you know <laughs> in like well, this, it, this it wouldn't necessarily form. be the same character because mm -hmm. they just got reincarnated into another face so it may not be another no fair right it, like, but it could it be could, the same it could person be a in a different form yeah. yeah coming back as an npc or something like that yeah that oh, yeah. i love that <laughs> i love that <laughs> that would be uh, that makes yeah. me wish there was like uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of running with the assumption there isn't because I haven't really looked at gnomes in a while. But um, it would be really cool if there was a heritage for gnomes that was, you know, first world reincarnated. You know, so it's like someone died and reincarnated in the first world as a gnome, and then they're back on the material plane, and there's like a, that adds a little something to the to the ancestry. That'd be really neat. Yeah. So the closest thing that we have currently is the uh, the fey touch gnome. Okay. Um, so that that's probably where you want to go. Fate Touch Gnomes specifically um, are they they meditate to realign themselves with the first world. This is actually a okay. ten minute downtime activity that is the concentrate trait. Okay. Cool. Um, and but what, is that? what it really does is it just gives you a primal cantrip. Oh, all right. That's neat, though. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting background. Now that I know more about the first world, I, this this holds a lot more appeal than it did when I first read it. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not I'm not really a gnome guy most of the time. Every now yeah. and again, I'll find a character that's best suited as a gnome. Yeah. Um, but if I did do one, I think I would do something like like a fey touch gnome, and maybe maybe something like a necromancer could be a cool way to play with it. You know? Yeah. Um... You, you know, I've frozen on video. Oh no! So, 
it's okay. You're, least, you're, 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 it, it's it's not in an embarrassing way. It'll be fine. At least it's frozen on my best face. <laughs> yeah, there we go. It's on my good side. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I'm kind of with you. Like, I'm not really a gnome person so much. However, you know, classically, and you know of my favorite character I ever made and played in your in our in our home group or whatever that you ran was was a gnome, Captain Kickshaw. Uh, I still dream about expanding that story and character and stuff. Um, One of these that, days, I'm going to sit you down and tell you what I had planned. <laughs> you should, because I've actually like toiled with the idea. I was like, if I ever ever find the 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 actual want and time, like really really inspired, I I would love to just make like a. a uh, a um uh what's that word like a youth book like a youth um not like a, not a children's novels book. yeah exactly young adult novel okay um uh, about captain kickshot i think that'd be really fun yeah that'd be i mean it, it's there it's a really cool character yeah because i don't think i have the writing chops uh for a proper novel <laughs> <laughs> so i feel like it would have to be a young adult novel and i'm okay with that <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Every, no. every genre needs a hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have the uh, eldest listed out here, but it's just a it's just a proliferary dive. So again, um, if you want to click onto the show notes, it's all hyperlinked, and you can just pop to the ones that interest you from there, or you can just head over to archives of Nethys. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is Count Ranical Ranalk Rana Ranalk. It's R A N A L C. Um, which is not an organization of letters I've ever seen before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they are known as the Traitor. They are chaotic neutral. There is Imbrex, the Twins, lawful neutral. Magda, the Three, lawful neutral. Ragadan, the Waterlord, chaotic evil. Ng, the Hood, neutral. That's just spelled NG, so mm-hmm. that's... The, the the if if I throw any harder on the G, I'm I'm gonna get canceled. <laughs> uh, Sheka, the many, also neutral. The Green Mother, aka the Feasting Flower, neutral evil. The Lantern King, also known as the Laughing Lie, chaotic neutral. And the Lost Prince, the Melancholy Lord, true neutral. <laughs> so you may have noticed that there's not a single good deity here. Yep. Nope. <laughs> which is, uh, they, which they is all pretty about fantastic. their own shit. Yeah. I, I actually yeah. remember the many. Um, and you may or may not remember this, but uh, well, you will want to tell you. We you, you ran a one e one shot one time. We didn't quite finish. Uh, it was a long time ago, and I I made an android uh, without permission, <laughs> Even knowing you probably wouldn't be happy about it. <laughs> yeah, I remember. But but you gave in because you had had not explicitly said no androids, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he served the many, and he was like the if I recall correctly, the many uh, basically have um, it's like a one entity that that this a soul keeps like reincarnating into or something i don't remember the details to be honest but uh this i was basically a servant of the many where the same soul kept going into new bodies which was kind of canon with the lore and so that's why i was an android it was like wasn't really about the um uh the uh sci-fi aspect so much as like this was the proper vessel for a, a soul to travel into and occupy you know as it continues its long journey right yeah so in 2e um 
Shika isn't a being so much as a title. So there's a bunch of them. Right. And what what uh, so they, they become Shika as as time is needed, but they travel forward and backward in time and they're constantly moving through that stream. That's right. And each That's right. one at a specific um, interval is known as Shika. Cool. Yeah, so there's always a Shika at any point in yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. That's why they're called the many, but they're all one of the same across time. I love that shit. So yeah. weird and mind-bending and stupid. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> yeah. But that's it for uh that's it for two E lore. All right. I love it. We didn't talk much about the spirit turtle, but <laughs> I love I love these primers on things like the first world and the elders. Yeah, so honestly, fun. there's there's like uh like two paragraphs about the spirit turtle and we, we covered them both in probably more depth than was required. <laughs> Nailed it. Okay, so that'll bring us on to uh, real world lore. Let's do it. Okay, so like I mentioned at the top of the show, the spirit turtles are firmly rooted into uh, an East Asian culture, uh, both a turtle and a tortoise. So we, we've got both sides of the... Okay. Yeah. Uh, and in all um, that I've found, they're believed to represent longevity. And in Chinese culture, they are chief among all shelled creatures. Mm-hmm. We got a couple of images. So there's uh, there's the two-e spirit turtle again. And this is <laughs> uh, called Immortal Riding a Turtle. It is from the Han Dynasty Nanyang City, China. Um, I couldn't find an artist. This is pulled directly from the Wikipedia page. So this is um, the best we got. But you yeah. can see them kind of kneeling on the turtle as it, as it uh, I don't know, takes them somewhere, which is yeah. great. <laughs> what, what's he holding? <laughs> I is think it a, it's a peacock. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it looks like a peacock or something. Yeah, yeah but I, I honestly have, have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a really cool image though, and we'll 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 throw a bigger one up on um on Instagram when we get there. But uh, so we're going to start with something called the Ira or Ira. Uh, I couldn't find a pronunciation guide for this particularly. Again, hyperlinked in the show notes if you're interested in learning more about this. This is the first surviving Chinese dictionary, and it originates from about th- the third century BC or two hundred one to three hundred, and it has cool. some entries on a divine turtle. So uh, this was written by an unknown author, though it is thought to have been written by the Duke of Zhao or Confucius or one of Confucius's disciples. It's really difficult to tell. Um, as a white person who's not indoctrinated in the culture, I don't. I have a hard time following some of this stuff, and this is one of those mm-hmm. things that I had a really hard time yeah. following. Okay. But the uh, entry for Spirit Turtle simply reads, The Most Sacred of Turtles. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> yeah. However, according to Ren Fang, author of the Shiyugi, once a turtle has lived to over a thousand years, it grows hair. And once it hits 5,000 years, that's when it becomes a spirit turtle. Oh. So presuming that they live thousands of years. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then there's one other uh, Chinese um, text that we're going to talk about, and it's called the Baopuzit. It is an alchemical text, or as close to alchemy as the Chinese get. 
mm-hmm. uh, by somebody called Kung Kohung. Um, they go by other names, but from what I could tell, Kohung is the most accurate of the names. Mm-hmm. And this recognizes a spirit turtle as one that is only a thousand years old, but it must have the five colors representing the elements. Blue for water, red for fire, yellow for earth, white for air, and black for metal or wood. Shit. Okay. Shit. Black I think wood. it's metal. Okay. <laughs> so at, at some point it became six elements and it was metal and yeah. wood. Um, okay. I thought I, I thought I had that uh, and now I'm second guessing myself. Black for Black Sabbath. Rock on. Uh, yeah. What are the Chinese? Yeah. Okay. It's wood. Um, oh, God, I okay. hope it's wood. So not <laughs> eventually it becomes okay. six and metal and wood are, are, so it's, it's one of the two. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for the love of computers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. right. Oh, you know, yeah. I didn't write any of that down. I should have. Maybe, maybe white is wood and black is air. I don't know. It's some combination. Um, I am so sorry to any of our Chinese listeners. Mm. I sh- I should do better. Uh, okay, white white is metal. No, that's not right either. Oh my god, the internet's <laughs> letting me down. We're just gonna we're just gonna blow past. That. That's it. Roll back the changes. We're not doing <laughs> yeah. Pathfinder anymore. <laughs> just take right, going back to one down. <laughs> uh, instead, we're just gonna jump across the water to Japan, where we have <laughs> this guy here. Oh, so that this is awesome. Yeah, this is this image is the reason why all the other images are so small. For whatever reason, you can't individually resize an image in OBS, but here, oh. here, you just resize all of them. So here oh. we are. I didn't want to cut any of this off because it's it's so beautiful. Yeah. So uh, in uh, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, this is by Zhang Gi Shen. Um, I don't know what it depicts other than something called a reiki. Okay. Uh. Yeah, so in Zenrin Kushu, meaning the anthology of passages from the Forest of Zen, uh, which is which is a book, uh, it, it is a collection of writings used in Rin, Rinazai, which is a school of Zen initially compiled by Toyo Echio. And Rinzai is one of the three sects of Buddhism, which draws a lot of its connections from the Mahanya, sutras of india which closely studies chinese chan traditions so like buddhism kind of originated from what i can tell kind of originated in india grew into china and then was eventually adopted in japan and kind of got really interbled into uh shintoism and this is this is one of those that really one of the one of the three teachings this is the one that most closely represent or resembles um its its indian counterparts gotcha so this book provides like a story or a passage that simply reads the spirit turtle sweeps its tail. So what that is thought to mean or be a variation of is a phrase called uh, that goes erasing traces creates traces. Oh. So what exactly that means is kind of uh, nebulous and I want to say up for debate, but I really didn't dig too much into it because interpreting buddhist sayings is not going to be high on the internet's priority list in a way that that is that is accurate yeah what i think it means is even if you are like when when you erase something you're still creating something you know when when you erase pencil off paper you're creating eraser dust yeah 
that's where I was. That's what I was thinking, because especially with the reference to the the turtle's tail sweeping, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as if to remove its tracks, you know, along the sand, it's still creating this sort of like different shape to the stand that's going to stand out from the rest of what's around yep. it, and that's something that's less natural and more created. Um, yeah, I totally follow that. Yeah, so I think that's what it means. I am obviously prepared to be corrected. I am not a Buddhist scholar, uh, yeah. and I'll never be. But um, I yeah. do find it quite fascinating. Yeah, I do too. Whatever it is you try to erase, just just remember, there's always something left behind. <laughs> yeah. Or in which is, in which the is why we don't actually have privacy I, in the modern world. <laughs> I, well, so let's 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 hold on there. I think it's more to the effect that even if you're destroying something, you're creating something in the same breath. Sure. So okay. If you demo a house, you are destroying the house, but you're also creating rubble, mm-hmm. or you're you're creating new land or something mm-hmm. like that. Like I, I think I think that's what it's supposed yeah. to mean. Even okay. even destructive acts are acts of creation. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um. But the Reiki is a popular motif at Shinto shrines and Buddhist temples throughout Japan. And there are several temples called the Regizan, um, and Regizan directly translates to Spirit Turtle Mountain. Okay. Okay. And it is said... <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I can see yeah. the note. I can see what's coming up. Get ready. Yeah. <laughs> Kamioka. Hamachimangu Hamakimangu shrine at Sendai is named so because the spirit turtle appeared while it was being constructed. Normally I'd go back and try it again. We're just going to blow through that. <laughs> that was That's something else. <laughs> uh, my bad, Japanese listeners. Um, there, there is this very similar analog in Korean known as the Yonggui. Um, mm-hmm. I could not find any information about this whatsoever. Every time I tried to Google it, it would autocorrect it to another Korean figure that we are just not going to talk about on air yeah. um, for for reasons uh, that you would understand if, <laughs> okay. if you were I- involved in the culture or accidentally Googled him a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah, I kept trying different variations of the spelling of this and, and I just kept accidentally Googling him and it let's let's just move on just move on for that okay don't bother yeah let's just <laughs> no but you do want to google is that there is someone on the pathfinder second edition subreddit that is regularly releasing homebrew stat blocks for uh and information for korean gods and they're really fucking cool <laughs> so do it look that up on the reddit anyway yeah look, look that up <laughs> yeah and the last culture we're going to touch on is hindu so uh, we'll start with Kurma, who is Vishnu's second avatar. And there's a quote here that goes, Whenever humanity is threatened by extreme social disorder and wickedness, God will descend onto the world as an avatar to restore the righteousness, establish cosmic order, and redeem humanity from danger. I just thought that was that was uh, yeah. particularly appropriate currently. Uh, quite, uh, and here the, is an uh, image of Vishnu. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Vishnu in their second avatar right there. I think that's oh, such cool. a beautiful image. Yeah. So that's Vishnu and Kerma. And the last one is Akupara. This is the cosmic world turtle. And this may sound familiar to some of our listeners because I am a big, big Terry Pratchett fan. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. This is a giant turtle that carries eight elephants on its back, and the elephants hold up the world. <laughs> Which is Discworld, right? <laughs> uh, well, this in in this belief, it would be our world. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so th- this is actually part of the Hindu belief, Akapara. Oh, it is. Okay, sorry. I thought you were just going yeah. straight into the old, the old no, Terry no, Pratchett no. there. Okay. Um, the so if uh, in in Terry Pratchett, it is a disc on their back, not not a hemi- hemisphere. Mm-hmm. So this is um, that is our world earth. on yeah. top of those <laughs> yeah. elephants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. I did not realize that was part of uh, an actual belief. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, but I, cool. I've heard the 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 name Akupara before. Um, mm-hmm. I think I probably heard it from the Discworld series. If I'm being yeah. if I'm being perfectly honest, I think that's the name sure. of the turtle in Discworld. Yeah. Um, but I I just I thought it was so cool. I love that this is part of that that belief structure. I don't know if it's like a like a part of the belief structure that's that's taken literally, um, or whether yeah. it's just something that's kind of in the periphery, or if it's a metaphor or something like that. But I, sure, I would be yeah. remiss not to throw it in there because this to me is a giant turtle with an ecosystem on its back. It just yeah. happens to have another right. ecosystem on their back. In this case, the ecosystem is much larger than our earliest image. Yes. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I, the thing that does come to mind with this image is uh, that one elephant with the trunk raised up. And just to, just imagine being on that part of the world. And this this mm-hmm. this giant something just comes out of the horizon. And it's just looming in the air. And we're like, what the hell is that? <laughs> what is that wrinkly gray thing descending doom upon us? <laughs> right. Uh, so back in the day, the BBC did a two-part um, video of a bunch of those Terry Pratchett books, and mm-hmm. including The Color of Magic, and in The Color of Magic, they go to the end of the world, and you see something oh, very yeah. similar to that. Um, mm-hmm. where I, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it or or read it, because it is an amazing read. It's like a yeah. you read it in a day. It's, it's a really light. Cool. Um, but highly recommend the, the film as well, and they did mm-hmm. a couple others, including um, The Hogfather and... Uh, uh, going postal, which is probably my favorite. Cool, cool, cool. cool. But that's it for IRL lore, or right. uh, the section that we are now calling mythology and folklore, because <laughs> we've never been able to land on a good name for this section. <laughs> yeah, that's still not a good name. So if if you got anything out there in in listener land, uh, feel free to shoot us an email or, or hit us up on one of the socials because we, yeah. I, I'm, I, I would love to get a better more concise name for it everything we've come up with sounds cheesy yeah so. i don't know it, this is the simplest one i'm okay with it <laughs> just, yeah just yeah yeah this, this one is passable for sure sometimes it's about mythology sometimes it's folklore what's the difference i don't know yeah but there there is a difference between mythology legend and folklore and i don't i can't mm-hmm. remember yeah but we could we could just call it ridiculousnesses of the past Mm, that feels culturally insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just I'm, I am one hundred percent at all times in this section of thinking about how the monk the homunculus episode <laughs> and right. and how in the second excerpt about creating a mandragora we have to drown bats in milk. That's that's where I'm at every time. <laughs> that's what right. I'm no, waiting I, for and expecting. <laughs> you are absolutely not wrong about it. A lot of it being ludicrous and, and insane. But uh, yeah. 
I feel like we probably shouldn't just blanket Hindu and and Japanese yeah, folklore yeah, I mean, yeah, as yeah, uh, yeah. as batshit crazy because um, a lot of it's really beautiful. <laughs> so, no, it is though. It is. It truly is. Yeah. Uh, the uh, I guess the um, the more Western culture witchcraft stuff maybe not so much. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Any of that white people yeah. shit. That shit is crazy. Alchemy is That's broken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the you know the turtle you know erasing traces to create traces is actually pretty cool it's actually yeah. pretty cool so no you're, yeah, not, wrong. It, you're it, not wrong yeah if, if, if you put some thought into it it's, it's kind of beautiful yeah. keep it simple but <laughs> that'll bring us to our next section the mechanics i'm so pumped i tell you okay. i am pumped for this for a particular reason okay and it's because one i love pathfinder mechanics second edition mechanics specifically and i can't wait for us to get a lot of this wrong for us to be corrected later, which is more likely this time around than, than when we were covering 5e with our little active community. And uh, but I love being corrected in a way because it just helps me understand the system more. And I, I I dig it. I really dig it. I'm into it. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. That's why I dug into one of the bigger creatures that I could find. Yeah. Um, and I think I may have just like searched for highest creature level. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, assuming that they were going to have all that stuff in there. So again, I wrote this before we did the episode 100, so the style is a little bit different than that episode, but it will Mm -hmm. revert back to that episode 100. We've decided that's going to be our template going forward, so this may be a little out of order compared to some of the other episodes, but um, deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) This is our show, not Uh, yours. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. My house. Uh, creature level 21, starting off huge. Oh, man. You nuts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as for rarity, they are rare. They are chaotic, good. They are gargantuan, and they are fey. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fey we knew. Gargantuan makes sense. Rare also makes sense. <laughs> yep. Chaotic, good. Will be changing in the future, as most of you might know. Uh, yeah, but, but we'll keep covering their, those their and, expulsion and, and, of alignments yeah. until until that time comes. I'm sure we'll keep covering it, you know, because it's applicable uh, as far as the rules we're going to cover now go. Yeah, yeah, and I also think it's interesting because it gives you an idea of how to play the creature. Um, yeah, I'm not saying you should be beholden to your alignment. Your you your alignment should never dictate what your character is. Like we said time and time again, alignment is fluid. Oh, over But and alignment over, yeah. should influence how you're playing the creature. Yeah. And knowing and it's a bit that this easy, giant wish-giving turtle is yeah. good, yeah. <laughs> you can just be like, well, maybe fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. They got a perception of 35. They speak common, sylvan, and tongues. So oh. I... Love tongues. This is kind of what I've always thought telepathy should be in 5e. They just understand all words regardless of the language and speak the same language as other creatures. Like just universal translate, ba weep, grana weep, nini bong kind of shit. Mm -hmm. Um, This is how it should be done. However, this is a spell. This is technically a fifth level divination spell. But with some passive abilities uh, or just the way... um, or, or like a constant ability to spell cast. That's just how they speak. Okay. So they are effectively at all times under the effects of this divine spell. 
Correct. Cool. I dig it. Uh, there are a couple of skills that they have a boost to, um, specifically diplomacy, all lores, like just just says all subcategories. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, just a so plus good. 34 in case you were wondering. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, yes, I can tell you all about cutlery and all <laughs> of its history. <laughs> But why, yeah. Spare Turtle? Why do you know about cutlery? I know about all things. <laughs> exactly. Omnipotence. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. They've also got a plus 40 to medicine, um, and then a boost to nature, occultism, and survival, which are, are I find less interesting. Okay. Uh, sometimes creatures come with items and interact abilities. This does not, because it's a giant turtle with a forest on its back, essentially. Yep. But it has a 45 AC, 320 hit points. But from that 325, it has regeneration 25, um, which is deactivated by cold iron or evil. Classic. So every turn, it just heals 25. That's it. At the beginning of the turn. Not only that, regeneration goes a, bit, a step further because it's not fast healing. You know, it's fast healing, you know, 25. Start of the turn. 25 every time that's it but you know but regeneration doesn't stop after death is the thing if you take this thing down it uh, i don't oh i don't remember the rules right out, off the out of the gate do you have them there no i don't there's not even a hyperlink to regeneration in archives and ethics okay. so i didn't even think to look oh they failed uh it's basically that um yeah if you gave the dying condition and never increased beyond dying three as long as regeneration is active so you just you cannot so if you if you were to play this this creature using the dying rules that's usually applied to uh, PCs, which is an option, um, and this is specifically a creature only ability, this is not something that that PCs can get. Uh, rules is written. Uh, so okay. basically, yeah, they they cannot increase beyond dying three, which means they cannot die. So you could just keep hitting them, keep hitting them, and they will eventually just wake up and re- keep regenerating every turn, every six seconds. Um, so, uh, and uh, the only way to stop that is with the listed damages. So they have to, they have to effectively, how are we going to run it? Um, whether it's, you know, they die, they, they just don't die. And then um, you have to hit them with um, this, this uh, damage. And then you just can automatically assume they die, or you can go through those rules of, okay, you've hit them with evil or cold iron, but they're dying one. You're like, oh shit! Now they're dying too. Now they're dying through. You got to keep that damage on. You have to keep applying it, otherwise they are coming back. Right. Um, which I love. I love the idea mm. of you just if in the odd and I I mean this not hyperbolically in the incredibly odd chance that you get into combat with a spirit turtle. I love the idea that it just combat ends and it wakes back up and it's like I'm not actually dead. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you more about the cutlery. <laughs> Just stop it. More, there's more bookbinding knowledge to impart to you. <laughs> Let me tell you about spirits and the lore behind <laughs> them. Gin <laughs> was uh, originally known as Dutch Courage. <laughs> Uh, um, make sure you listen to Stemming the Tide for a couple of those jokes, everyone. <laughs> yeah. 
so it has a couple of resistances, fire 20 and physical 15. So if I understand this correctly, it just, so you have to get above, so if you're going to hit it with fire, your damage has to be above 20 to do anything. Uh, oh, yeah. Yep. That's okay. uh, brutal. And then yep. the weakness is the one I don't fully understand. So does a weakness cold iron 20. So anytime you hit it with cold iron, does it do an extra 20 or a flat 20? That it takes 20 damage straight up, just flat kind of thing okay. on top of what, on top of whatever, no, on top of whatever you hit it with. Okay. So it is, it, it's, uh, it, it is, is an extra 20, addition, not sorry. a flat 20. Yeah, but it, okay. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it is flat, but it's an addition, I guess. Yeah. It's like, you know, not a variable 20 is what I meant. I, I, I mixed, I mixed right. up my, my I, I got my merge mix all mixed up. Um, <laughs> as my mother would say, <laughs> Okay. Uh, but yeah, it, it just, it just works sort of the opposite of, of how resistances do you know if that is happening that's what i thought this happened we had a we had a fight with a golem where it was explained in a way that i didn't fully understand golems are a very very specific exception (laughs) they have what's called golem anti-magic uh which works very differently yeah gotcha well we'll we'll do a two golems at some point they literally yeah they literally don't have weakness and resistance in this uh, you know it listed in this way they might like some degree but like their anti-magic is a separate mechanic. Yeah. They're really cool gotcha. and brutal. <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah. Uh, so they have a 30-foot land speed and a 40-foot swim speed. Swim swim speed. Wow. Uh, we're both losing our <laughs> worlds here. Welcome back. Uh, they have one passive ability, I guess the best way to put it. It's called Pacifying Aura. So this is the emotional enchantment and primal traits. It extends 100 feet, and all creatures are subject to 10th level calm emotions. That's what I mean by the very odd chance that you get into a fight with a, with a spirit turtle. Sure, yeah. Because your will save is DC 44. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> uh, so this is only for one hour. Even if the creature leaves an aura, they are still under the effect of this 10th level calm emotions. And then mm. after, the creature is immune for an hour. Okay. Uh, so um, if you fail that will save, you are forcibly calmed into a nonviolent state, is what calm emotions does. Oh, gotcha. Interesting. What's, I love this because like, the, the calm emotions is, I mean, it's a level two spell. I'm sure, I don't know if it heightens or not, but you know, standardly, it's only a 10-foot burst. Yep. And you have to sustain it up to a minute, but this thing just has it at a hundred feet. Yep, for an hour. Um, it's right giant in there with the tongues, right? Just have this effect on them. It's great. I love that. Yep. Uh, there is, uh, you know, uh, that'll that'll move us into the actions. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first is a free action. It's called environmental bounce. This is the evocation and primal traits. And the trigger is whenever a spirit turtle starts their turn. They they just choose an energy for their attack, acid, cold, electricity, or fire. Oh, okay. And then their first actual attack is Jaws. It's a single action. So in, in Pathfinder 2E, there is a multiple attack penalty because you can attack uh, uh, as many of your three actions as you want. Mm-hmm. So I'll just list all three of them in order. Um you know, traditionally it's a minus five unless the weapon is agile, in which case it's a minus four. Mm-hmm. So this the the first attack would be at a plus thirty seven year roll. Second attack is a plus thirty two, and third attack is a plus twenty seven. Um, all of which are high enough. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny how consistent and tight the math is in, in 2E and how like every one, plus one or minus one matters. But it still yes. really scales at this lar- at a faster and larger rate than, say, 5E, right? Like those numbers get really high, even though one or two really matters. And I love that. As a non-math yeah, guy, I love that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, this is a magical attack. It has 20-foot range, so it can get you from 20 foot away. It's 4d12 plus 14 bludgeoning plus 2d6 of that energy that it shows at the beginning of its turn, that environmental balance mm-hmm. energy. So if it shows cold, it's an extra 2d6 of cold. This cool. also has the improved grab trait. So as a free action, if it hits, it just grabs you. All right. I love it. It's free action. You're wrapped. Yep. You don't. You only see those in the higher level creatures for sure. I mean, I, I'm sure you see them in lower level creatures than this, but uh, but yeah, it's a it's a very very effective and deadly tool. Yep. Yeah. Its next attack is a single action. It's a foot. Um, I'm assuming it's a foot stomp. I just wrote foot. No, it just says foot. So it Definitely could be a stomp. A it could kick. be a kick. Definitely need to kick. <laughs> that sounds uh, This is also 37, fact, 32, 27. If you use it three times in a row, it's basically Luke Hang's bicycle kick. <laughs> right. Just imagine, just or just three that. of its four legs. <laughs> just playing out in different directions. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's like little brother from from Homestar Runner. <laughs> no, I think if he was a one-legged elephant called Tenderfoot. I could power oh a whole God. city with my whining. Oh, I probably could. I probably could. <laughs> We're showing our I'll try and link here. that episode it. in the description. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one's also 20 feet reach. It is 4d10 this time, uh, plus 14 bludgeoning, plus 2d6 of that energy. This one has improved knockdown. So as a free action, um, it just knocks down. If it hits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> That's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Boot you on your ass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the last single action is called Constrict. This is only applicable while it's grabbing a creature. So you bite with one action, you grab free action, and then you can constrict with your second action, and you still got one action left to kick if you want. Oh, boy. Uh, um, this is 2d12 plus 7 bludgeoning and a DC 41 basic fortitude save. Okay. 2d12? I on archives. Okay, 4d12. Okay. Yeah. Uh, damn. I'm scared. I'm actually scared to play or run a level 20 fight or something like that. Like I don't uh, Yeah. brutal. In two actions that's 8d12 24 bludgeoning and 2d6 energy. And you're grabbed. Uh, crazy. And you still got another action. Ooh. Like, crazy shit. Uh, Its last attack, per se, is a two-action called Unbalancing Stomp. This is a 1d4 cooldown. So after you use it, you roll a 1d4, and that's how many rounds you have before you can use it again. If I understand Mm -hmm. it correctly, it's very similar to a recharge. So in this, you make a foot strike. um, And creatures get hit by a shockwave. Whether or not it connects in a 15-foot radius, and they take 10d10 bludgeoning, plus 48 energy, plus they're knocked prone. Mm-hmm. 
However, there is a basic reflex save. Again, DC 41. And the success of that reflex is that you're not knocked prone. So you're still taking 10 D10 and 48 energy. Oh, sorry, sorry. Quick correction. A critical success is you're not knocked prone. Oh, yes. Yes. That, yes. Thank you. Uh, which is not very likely <laughs> given the circumstances. Um, I love that. That I would also- require a 51 on the die. Right? <laughs> you better all be playing what? rogues and swashbucklers. <laughs> monks. <laughs> or monks, yeah. Um, the uh, important note here, though, uh, it specifies 15-foot burst centered on the target. So a burst um, is usually, uh, if memory serves, on a corner of a square when it comes to the map and the grid. Um, but this is centered on the target. And considering the size of this creature, this is not this is not an emanation. Emanation is like you know a, a separate thing. You you really just said radius, but um, it's a uh, it's really just like you, you have to kind of consider those things. So some people might misinterpret that as like they stomped and then it extends from the whole creature and this massive creature and it hits everybody. Make sure you don't do that. That would be too that would yeah, be yeah. way too powerful. So it is yeah. yeah. So it, it it makes a foot stomp and then yeah. whether or not that foot stomp hits that's yeah. where the burst comes from is that target yeah. so that yeah. five foot square yeah so it's really that that's a very important uh specific detail for for those who are still navigating the rules make sure that you're you're going from a particular point of this gargantuan creature which by the way is um standardly 20 feet or more on the grid um square uh, and yeah you can kind of give or take if they're tall or long this is technically would be a longer uh, creature yeah um which is actually might bring it down about 15 feet or you kind of navigate by five feet uh, or so as you go um really really gnarly uh i love i love the foot stomp i think it's cool yeah i think that's such a cool attack yeah because uh, you've got you've basically got a huge reach on it what was it it's 15 feet 20 feet well, it's 20 uh, foot reach for the stomp, and then it's a 15 oh, foot burst from that center. Right. So <laughs> it's nearly the same as extending from the whole creature anyway. Uh, but you have like these yep. sort of like four loose corners to do it from and, and really strategize with it. Uh, so that's cool. The um, There is one thing I, I want to point out uh, that when I did my cursory glance at the stat block before we started, was one thing that stood out was that I noticed that it said it does energy damage. At one point, and I went, well, that's unspecific. I did not read thoroughly enough to actually have caught the environmental balance we could choose. So I double-checked some uh, details on energy damage. And uh, I think it's a bit interesting that it only says choose acid, cold, electricity, or fire. Um, Because that's a free action to choose, which is cool. But you don't have to choose. So if you don't have to choose, what's the damage? And I think it's worth noting that sonic damage is also energy damage. And it's uh, no, they, in- they do have to choose. The trigger is when the spirit turtle begins their turn. So but it, it, it's but not it's an a, optional. But it's a free action. I don't think it is a free action, yeah. but the trigger is when they begin their turn. So it's not an optional free action like the knockdown or the grab hmm. um, where you can choose not to do it. This is specifically triggered when the turtle starts its turn. So you have to choose. Or at least that's how it reads to me. Right. If that's the case, I think it's debatable. I genuinely don't know the answer. But if that's the case, I don't like it. And what I would change is either 
making it uh, uh, mandatory and adding sonic damage to the list or making it not mandatory. And if you don't choose, it does sonic damage. What other, whatever route adds sonic damage to that? Because you are just basically a giant turtle stomping the ground and creating a shockwave. I see no reason why it couldn't be sonic damage. As right. Well. So the the reason it's these four and not including like sonic damage or or even like positive damage mm-hmm. uh, is because these are linked to its home world. These are it it yep. pulling power from its environment. So the the theory right. is that if you're in a cold place, use cold. You know, if you're in a in a, a fiery place, use fire. If you're in a watery place, mm-hmm. use acid. If you're in a in an earthen place, use electricity. But it specifically says they are harnessing their connection within the world around them to augment their attacks. So those uh, those energies should thematically be chosen based on their environment. Gotcha. So they are guiding you into a choice with the ability yeah. as well. Okay. The more, the more you... Now that you've re-expanded on it, apparently I wasn't listening earlier. <laughs> I don't think I, uh, I that, dove into that because I didn't find does, it particularly relevant, yeah. but you, you've made a good point. You've sense. made it relevant. Yeah. yeah. Now, if we could just find a way to put them in a sonic environment, <laughs> I could win this <laughs> argument. <laughs> what the hell is a sonic environment? <gasps> They're um, at a rave. <laughs> <laughs> this giant, this gargantuan spirit turtle just healing people at a rave. rave. <laughs> Maybe it started the rave with its pacifying aura. Like everybody Maybe. just Maybe chilled the fuck out. Chill out. We're just gonna listen to good, some good jams. <laughs> it's no big deal. <laughs> stop! Stop! Right. Stop! 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 <laughs> well, maybe we can find something to um, to to help facilitate that that homebrew with within its spell casting because it does have spells. Uh, okay. Because we can't seem to get away from this. Uh, it is of the primal least tradition. Least thing. Um, yeah. Uh, the DC maybe- is forty four. Which is not not small. Um, it's also not not um, out of reach either. Like even for like a level ten character, a forty four wouldn't really be out of reach with a natural twenty. Right. Uh, it has one constant spell, and that is tongues. So it's constantly casting on itself at tenth level, like we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. It has two at will fourth level spells. The first being heal. The second being Vital Beacon, uh, which essentially heal just radiates out of you. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so uh, the the exact text is it allows others to supplicate and receive healing once per round. Either you or an ally can use an interact action to lay on hands to regain hit points. Uh, Every time... Uh, the beacon heals somebody, it decreases in strength. So it restores 40, 10, the first creature, 48, 46, 44. Um, and then cool. at the end of the fourth level, the spell ends. So That is a neat spell. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, the next one is three times per day, uh, breath of life at fifth level. Uh, you prevent a target creature from dying and restore hit points equal to 48 plus your spellcasting ability modifier. You can't use Breath of Life if the triggering effect was disintegrate or a distinguish uh, uh, or a death effect. So the trigger for okay. this, this is a reaction and the trigger was any living creature within range would die. Oh, crazy. Would die. Not gain the dying yep. condition, but would die. Would die. Yep. Wild. 
Really yeah, this is cool. from the uh, the Sorcerer Phoenix Bloodline. Oh, awesome! <laughs> yeah, which I, I believe was a, a later released Bloodline. Um, I yeah, it, I believe it was the the was it Secrets APG, of Magic. I paper? think might have been. Secrets oh, was it? Of Magic. Oh, well, I feel uh, like. Oh no! Fist it, the Ruby Phoenix actually, came out before Secrets. No, it is. It is. It is fists. Spoilers. <laughs> oh. It's actually, it's like a it's a granted access thing, which is a bit weird for a bloodline. It's like it's like spoilers, but not really because you know, unless unless you're you have a sorcerer that survives the whole adventure and and at one point or up to the point of getting this as a reward, and it wants to they want because they can take like a dual bloodline feat if they want. So I I, I don't know if you could oh, okay. retrain a bloodline. That would be a bit of a. a I would say no, <laughs> kind of area. Um, I mean, but maybe maybe other raw, than via dialysis, possible. probably not. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the um, that that's a bit of an odd one. So I don't think it's too bad too bad of a spoiler. But uh, it's still cool. It's still cool. I love that. Yeah. The next one is a six level spell, twice per day restoration. This is pretty much exactly what you think it is. It hasn't Classic. really changed in any edition of any of the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, for 7th level, it has Plane Shift, Self Only, uh, and then Regenerate twice per day. Uh, regenerate okay. is an interesting one. It is uh, It infused the creature with continuous healing, so it temporarily gains Regeneration 15, which restore HP 15 hit points at the top of its round. This target cannot die from the damaging condition, like you mentioned when we talked about the turtle itself's regeneration. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, that's pretty cool. That's Yeah, that's a one-minute... Um duration oh it does say though if its wounded value becomes four or higher it stays unconscious until the wounds are treated yeah so it, you can still effectively incapacitate someone but it's much 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 harder <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh, at eighth level, it has moment of renewal twice per day. This targets up to six creatures and they get a day's worth of recovery in an instant. So any detrimental effects that would be gone after 24 hours are just gone, and they regain cool. HP and recover from conditions as if they had had a 24-hour rest. However, they do not get to remake their daily preparations. Mm. Oh, okay. That's still It's still important, though, because things like uh, stupefied or drained are usually 24-hour recoveries per value. And some yep. some effects give you just like two or three at once, and that can really, really mess you up. Um, and uh, if you, especially if you're in an environment and, and, you know, you're playing in a game where you feel like time is of the essence, you don't have time to take days of rest, which, I, I mean, at least in our experience, we never do it. We always feel like we're like, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. <laughs> and uh, Right. Which is not, not always true, but we just kind of how we end up playing. So those it makes those conditions that much more, you know, um, brutal. Yeah, absolutely. Then at ninth level, it has, again, twice per day, something called Field of Life. So I'd never heard of this spell before. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, again, a divine and primal. A field of energy fills the area. Each living creature in that area regains 1d8 HP, and any undead creature that starts its turn in the area take 1d8 positive. This is sustained up to one minute and is a 20-foot burst with a range of 30 feet. So you can just throw this, okay. this fucking dome out in the middle of a battlefield, and then everybody living in it gets HP at the end, and then everybody not gets hurt. Crazy. 
Okay. Yeah, so look at the spell. This is a level 6 spell, but it's heightened at 8th and 9th, which increases the damage die or healing die. Um, yeah. So it starts at 1d8. It goes to 1d10 or 1d12, which, I mean, it's funny how that seems... It's a ninth level spell in this case, and you're just doing 1d12, which feels low, like, in, in your gut, but in the exact right circumstance for a minute everybody is affected by it you know and if you, if you have a yeah. whole bunch of allies and a whole bunch of undead in the same spot 20 foot burst is not a small area in the grand scheme no of this is a horde color map, for right? sure yeah this is this is yeah this is really good yeah or even outside of combat this is a great recovery spell like mm-hmm. i don't know how else you're gonna get that much healing in 60 seconds like yeah. that is so much healing cool yeah uh, even at sixth uh, level, that's so much healing. Can, yeah, for sure. Um, that's neat. Yeah, this is a divine and primal spell, and it come, and it's uh, included in one of the one of the major lessons for uh, witches. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Thoughts on that, James? <laughs> no, can't talk about it. I can't. Oh, the dangers of doing multiple shows. <laughs> I know. I know. Okay, so at 10th level, uh, once per day, they have a spell called Revival. Yet another spell I haven't heard of because um, obviously I haven't looked at 10th level spells. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't ever expect to have a character that lives to 20th level. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> uh, this is a burst of healing that soothes living creatures and temporarily rouses those recently slain. All living targets regain 10d8 plus 40 hit points. In addition, you return any number of dead targets to life temporarily with the same effects and limitations as raised dead. The raised creature have uh, temporary hit points equal to the hit points you gave the living creature, but no normal hit points. Raised creatures can't gain HP back, and once revival's duration ends, they lose all uh, temporary HP and die. Revival cannot resurrect... Creatures killed by disintegrate or a death effect, and it has no effect on the undead. So a really interesting spell, and I don't know when you would ever choose to use that. Oh, uh, but that is I mean, again so much health. That is this is sort of like amount. This is like a last ditch stand, death spiral, massive combat um, mm. kind of thing. That I'm with you. I'm like I have a hard time wrapping my head around that. Uh, well, and- I, I literally, I literally wish Cam was here right now because <laughs> they would have, they would probably have an example right. for us. But uh, uh, yeah, that's really really cool. It's the same effects and limitations as Raise Dead, which is a sixth level spell um, in turn, but can be uh, heightened up to tenth in effectively. And oh man, like that's. That's like that's a spell that's by the time you get that spell, like there's so many nested rules happening. You better be on top of it if you want to make the best yeah. use of it. Really cool. And yeah, it just seems very situational. And you know, I like situational shit, as I'm sure anybody who's listened to our actual play can tell. Mm-hmm. Like I love having something that's super niche that only ever comes in handy one time or two times. Like that's how I tend to pick my feats. Um, mm-hmm. like like Gilda, for example, has Titan Wrestler, and that's come in handy once i think in the history mm-hmm. of the show yeah um, <laughs> so there, there's that uh so i i think it's great but you know like you said as a last ditch effort 
why is that going to be like I I can't really see a reason why that would be my tenth level spell that I would that I would pick as a cleric, you know? Right. I mean, I guess it depends on what your other options are for tenth level spells. <laughs> uh, right. I don't know uh, off the top of my head, of course, but um, yeah, it really depends. And uh, and especially given a cleric, you uh, you're a prepared caster, so you know if you know what's ahead of you maybe this is the best choice for the circumstance that's coming up. So. Yeah, absolutely. And there are some ways to build a cleric where you can swap in and out spells on the fly. Um, right. Yeah. If, if I remember correctly, Arthur could do that with 10 minutes, like just... Okay, cool. Um, Assuming that's while, applicable so a to a 10-level spell, that's very powerful. Um, yeah. And the last one is also once per day. It's called Primal Phenom. You uh, direct... Oh, phenomenon. <laughs> I prefer phenom. Uh, Phenom's a different word. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, nature always refuses unnatural requests and might grant a different ability than the one you asked for. So, you you essentially try and do something. So, on the list of things you can try is duplicate any spell from the primal list, ninth level or lower, to which you have access. Mm Mm-hmm. Duplicate any spell from any other list of 7th level or lower. It must be common or you must have access to it. Produce any effect whose power is in line with the effects above. Reverse certain effects that refer to the wish spell. Mm-hmm. So if there if there's an effect that um, can only be reversed by the wish, wish spell... Uh, I think like mummification or something like that, or like like undead or wh- what have you. Yeah, you can theoretically use primal phenomenon to uh, uh, to to um, beg your GM to have that wish effect. Right. Um, so here's the thing: is I recently realized this, uh, and I'm I'm not sure how I feel about it, but every spell tradition has an identical spell to this. I don't know if you're aware of this. I am, um, yeah. Okay. That's why and it's called so Primal like, Phenomenon as opposed to right. As opposed to the Divine's Miracle Spell or the yep. Occult's uh, Alter Reality and so on. So it's um, uh, it's cool. I'm a little bit annoyed to a degree that it's not unique. You know? Uh I know it's 10th level yeah. and you kind of want to you almost don't want to give this much power to only one tradition so i kind of understand that you know but it would it would be nice if there was some variation but they literally kind of have the same bullet points on it it's like primal list of ninth level as opposed to arcane list or divine list you know it's like it, it literally works down the exact same process it just happens to be a different tradition um so it, it slightly bores me uh in a really pedantic way um but it is still a really cool spell no doubt about that yeah i honestly agree with you completely i think the two most interesting spells in this list are that uh, field of life that just and then vital beacon i think is a really interesting spell and it's it's low enough like a fourth level spell is low enough that it 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 gets really it could get some real use you know Mm. yeah Um, at least by pcs in the weirdest way, it actually reminds me of like my World of Warcraft days, where I can't—I can't, honestly can't remember what class it was. It might have been a monk, 
where they had like a healing build they could do and like you can just basically you can kind of deposit healing things along the battlefield you know and people can and i think maybe priests could do it too like you could basically put in the area something that people can move to and take advantage of so it reminds me of that you know it's like as long as you're within um that uh was it um did it have a radius or no you just you just oh yeah just uh it's outward from you and yeah you just get to use it and it kind of decreases with power yeah it's just it's very reminiscent of some of the mmo stuff that i've, I've played I, I guess and it's like yeah i, I just think it's I had a high priest in ragnarok clever. online that did the same thing yeah it would drop um <laughs> It's there. There was it was a specific build a priest. It was called an Emmy, and I can't remember what it stood for. Um, mm-hmm. But you would essentially just drop these little bombs on the battlefield, and whenever another player walked over it, it would explode, and then there would be a radius, and of that radius, it would heal anybody in that area, but damage undead in the area. Like, okay, so cool. it was a really interesting yeah. and really situational spell. So we did a lot of um, undead zombie dungeon dives to to try and get to that second level one hundred, but. Right. Uh, that was one of the tools we used was was this me spell where you just drop these little shit and then you know you would go to it you would heal and then anybody chasing you would essentially just get eradicated off the board yeah that's neat i love it super fun yeah but that's, yeah i'm with you uh, i think those are the cool giant ones. turtle hmm. the, gi- the giant spirit turtle the giant not to be spirit confused turtle. with the possibility of a stat block that's actually called giant turtle correct <laughs> just in case <laughs> uh so uh yeah i think this is a cool cool creature this this reminds me of the when we ran the, the kieran we talked about the kieran um and how this is a very much a non-combatant you know creature most likely it's got some shit yeah. if it's gonna get fighting you know you, ideally you gotta hit a I, dc very 40 ideally. will save to yeah. even try to fight it <laughs> Very ideally, it's on your side. <laughs> yeah, you're not likely to be fighting this thing if you're, uh, unless you're running an evil campaign of some kind. Um, and but where this thing may be fighting you, Phoenix, yeah, but right? it is. You you are not going to fight it. Like tenth level comma motions is so much. It is so high, yeah. and the fact that it's just a fucking passive aura is insane. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where it would fit in Fist of Ruby Phoenix because I've not read through that entire adventure. I've read some of it, but. Um, I would imagine, it's, I, I would hope that it's something like uh, it's just a passive NPC that helps out and guides you along that sort of tournament, or it's a test, perhaps a high level test of some kind. So, which you know, the combo emotions thing is right. there to start, but it's like, okay, this is your final round kind of thing, show me what you got. Um, and then you have to, I wonder if it. it's your reward at the end of the, of the adventure is meeting this giant spirit turtle. Well, uh, the reward of the the Ruby Phoenix tournament, uh, which is not, which is effectively common knowledge at this point, so I don't feel, feel like it's a spoiler, spoiler, is to gain access to like a vault from the the person who created the tournament and and which has like, extremely high level items. So maybe this is tied into that. Um, but uh, yeah, you are effectively able to pick a reward of of a, a treasure trove of extremely valuable things. Right, or maybe maybe you have to go appease the turtle, like gr- have it grant you its favor in order mm. to even take part in the final battle or something like that. Yeah, I'm sure it's a test along the way because I'm pretty sure that the, the tournament, it's you know, it's a lot of gnarly different things. It's not it's not simply a Mortal Kombat, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's much much more. Okay, so that brings us to our final segment of the show. The homebrew 
of which I have nothing. There is not a single thing I would possibly change about this because, A, I don't ever intend to run a 20th level campaign, and I don't mm-hmm. really fully understand what's required of it. Yeah. Uh, but, B, I, I just don't feel like I have a good enough grasp of second edition and how I would use this creature particularly in order to want to make some changes. Yeah. Uh, that's, even that's the spell where list I'm I don't well. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> Which is, that's rare. Um. <laughs> right, but it's, you know, I, I don't mind giving creatures spell lists as long as they're allies. It's when they're not allies, that's when I have have an issue with it. These are all, you know, helpful shit. Like, obviously, there's, there's get the fuck out of dodge plane shifts, but the rest of it is designed yeah. to help people. Mm-hmm. So, I'm here for that. Yeah, the, um, I think, uh, yeah, I think I get it. Like, I'm with you in that, you know, we're, we're, st- we really, it really feels like we're in our early days for 2E, even though we've been, we've been doing it for a while now. Um, even myself, who's, who's dove more into the rules than you have because I'm GMing, um, you know, to a, to a rather lengthy degree. Um, but, you know, I also, I also feel humbled by things like, you know, Gabe's rant about the Tarask in episode 100. Whereas when we covered the Tarask, we didn't even consider the, the the brokenness of a 5e you yeah know, we, that was that was right over my head i had no idea so you know it's like we're ne- we're never going to consider ourselves experts on on this whole thing you know uh but um yeah it just it gives me pause as we enter a new new system for this and um i'm with you like uh, there's not much it would change i there's go- always going to be always at this point going to be something in the back of my head about sonic damage in that environmental right. balance i can't not <laughs> let it go i there's something That's about right. it i don't know why because I, I i get i get it but i also just think it should be allowed you know like fuck it it's stomping with a shockwave go for yeah. it um and uh, the only reason I can think of why it might not be is sonic damage is much more rare, which makes it a little more bar- a little more powerful, which because you're less likely to have a resistance to it or, or immunity or something like that. Right. Um, but but it's level twenty one creature. Who cares? Let it do it. Let it fuck shit right. up. Um, but yeah, and if that, you've got that's all anything, I, that's all got. listeners, yeah. okay. And if you listeners yeah. out there have anything, feel free to shoot us an email over at info at encounterthis.ca. If you like what we've done here, you can find us on patreon.com backslash uncharted north. $5 a month will get you a handwritten thank you letter and a theme button and some stickers. $10 a month will get you uh, the ability to suggest a creature that we cover. Um, and a discount code to our merch store, which you can find at unchartednorth.com backslash shop. You can find us on Twitter at EncounterPod, Facebook and Instagram at Encounter.pod, EncounterThis.ca for all those show notes, links and stuff in the description below. If you are listening to this as a podcast, please rate and review on your platform of choice. If you are on YouTube, we'd appreciate it if you like and subscribe. This can be found on youtube.com backslash at EncounterPod. And if you could tell a friend, we'd really appreciate it. But in the meantime... Thank you so much, creatures, for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one. Until next time, creatures, thanks, as always, for listening to Encounter This.